0: as we go into God's Word together every week. But if you are a member of another church, we don't want this to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion a substitute for you being connected to your local body. So our prayer is, is that God uses His Word to change you and to change others. So we pray that God will use you and this message for His glory. Have a great day. St. Corinthians chapter 10, verse three. Let's all stand as we get our morning aerobics in. St. Corinthians chapter 10, verse three. The Holy Spirit says through Paul, we are in mid-paragraph. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ you may be seated how many of you are good at detecting lies <laughs> there's a game that that I'll sometimes do in some of the small groups that I lead it's called two truths and one lie you ever heard of this one you have everyone kind of in the group tell uh, they're supposed to tell two interesting facts about themselves and then they're to tell one lie one mistruth about themselves. Now the best lies and the best liars are those who who tell stuff that sounds like it's true, but there's something just slightly off. And so everyone in the group is supposed to figure out which one is the lie. So I wanna go ahead and test you guys out this morning, and and I'll give you three of mine. Uh, The first thing I want you to know about me is that I graduated uh, from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary with my doctorate at the age of 29. The second is my granddaddy, Fought in World War II against the Germans. And three, I acted and sang in a Broadway musical in a professional theater. Now, which one is the lie? Tell me the number. All right. The lie is two. My granddaddy fought in the Korean War not World War II, I actually acted and sang in the Broadway musical Annie at the Dr. Phillips Performing Arts Theater in Orlando, Florida. It's a hard knock life, right? And no, I did not play Annie, okay? We, (laughs) that was funny, wasn't it? Somebody over there really liked it. (laughs) We live in a world full of lies and disinformation. Disinformation actually came out of the Cold War. It was uh, Russians and the KGB, that's what they would do. Disinformation is, the, is false information, which is intended to mislead and deceive people. Uh, 2022, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary World, pardon me, Word of the Year this year was gaslighting. Uh, Gaslighting is the act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for one's own advantage. We know that major corporations, foreign nations, political parties, mass media collect our personal data through our phones and our smart devices and Alexa and Siri, and they create algorithms to push their agenda to deceive you in buying their products or believing their ideas or voting for their candidates or other nefarious things. Uh, Gary Kasparov, who was a defector from the United USSR, uh, during the Cold War, he was a ch- masterful chess player and was used as propaganda, uh, but yet defected. He, here is what he said. He says, the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda. It is to exhaust your critical thinking to annihilate truth. See, the reality is that if, if they can get you to believe their lie, then they can manipulate you. Well, the same is true in the spiritual world. See, just as there is in the political world, the social world, uh, in the media world, and, and just in our everyday world, are there those who will lie and deceive you. So we have an enemy in the spiritual world who wants to manipulate us so that he can destroy us by telling us Lies, And many of you in this room have fell hook, line, and sinker to the lies of the enemy. And you are living in bondage to the lies in your head, lies about sin, that you will never break free from sin, lies about an addiction, that you'll never break free from an addiction, lies about unforgiveness, that you can never forgive someone, lies about your own insecurity, that you'll never be enough. And I want to share with you that there is good news. Jesus can give you the power to break free from the lies of the enemy. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this month is breaking free. And so this morning we're looking in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians was written by the apostle Paul uh, a long time ago to ancient believers living in a very uh, multi-ethnic, multicultural, metropolitan city. Uh, This was perhaps the fourth letter that he has written to the church of Corinth, but yet we know it as 2 Corinthians. The purpose of this letter was to defend Paul's ministry. There were those inside the church of Corinth and those outside the church of Corinth who were attacking the apostle Paul. They were using a disinformation campaign against Paul. They were gossiping and rumors, and that doesn't happen in church, right? Uh, And so they were deliberately, these people were deliberately telling lies about Paul so that the people would follow them and not follow him. And so chapter 10 is Paul's personal plea for all believers to not be deceived and fall to the lies of the enemy. And in doing so, and dealing with a practical church issue, he's also teaching to us the pathway to freedom and victory over the lies of the enemy. There are 40 instances in the New Testament that the writers warn believers to not be deceived. Why? Because we are so easily deceived deceived and so a lot of spiritual warfare is breaking through the lies and deception that stand in the way of truth and so how do we break through the lies and deception of the enemy Paul tells us we must do three things we must wage war we must destroy strongholds and we must take prisoners so let's just walk through that number one wage war Verse three says we are not waging war according to the flesh. Then he says that the weapons in verse four are not of our warfare. He talks about the weapons of warfare. Paul here is using the metaphor of war to describe life. Now some of you may have an issue with military metaphors, especially when it comes to Christianity. We wanna see Christianity as more of a journey uh, than it is a war uh, or a battle. Uh, But you remember growing up as a kid singing Lord's Army? I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly or the enemy, but I am in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. You know, the other day I went to Lowe's and they asked me at the line, Do you, were you in the military? Because of my haircut, I guess. <laughs> and, and I said, well, yes, I am. I'm in the Lord's army. And they didn't give me a 10% discount. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. But whether you're in the Lord's army or not, all of life is a war. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, there is a 24 hour, seven day a week battle, war raging in you and around you. And it is intense, it is unrelenting, and it's often unfair because our enemy isn't fair. So Paul here is saying that the battlefield for this war is primarily in the mind. He, He talks about arguments and lofty opinions and thoughts. Craig Rochelle, who writes an incredible book on this particular topic says this. He says, your mind is a battlefield and the battle over your life is always won and lost in your mind. This war that we are facing and waging is a war against the world, the flesh and the devil, and they want to destroy our lives and kill our joy. Paul told this to the church of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter six, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And so, whether you are aware or not, there is a war raging on. And like many, you may not be aware of it. And some of you maybe feel like a shell-shocked soldier who is lost and confused in the chaos of the battlefield, and you are losing battle after battle, spiritual battle, for one of two reasons. Either A, you're not prepared for the battle, or B, you're just not showing up for the war. And whether you recognize it or not, there's a war going on. Could you imagine being... Could you imagine a battle being fought and one side doesn't know they're in a battle? And like they're being attacked, they're getting picked off one by one, they're getting destroyed and they're totally oblivious. Well, that may be where you are today. You may not recognize it, but you are in war. And as one guy said, he says, as a result, our lives are not what we want. We are numb to the reality of spiritual warfare. We long for more, but settle for less. We keep ourselves busy and distracted. We buy things attempting to impress people and fill our mysterious inner endless void. We scroll mindlessly on social media, feeling left out, left behind, and unimportant as we compare our dull lives with everyone else's highlight reel. We do our best to pretend that we're happy while the war rages around us and inside of us, and we are losing battle after battle, and the enemy is gaining ground because we're oblivious to the war. A few uh, weeks ago, I was in uh, the city of London, England, not Kentucky. And uh, while I was there in London, I went to Churchill's war room. And if you're familiar with that, he had a, a bunker where he and his defense ministry uh, met uh, during the war to strategize every day. And, and if you're not really familiar with World War II history, uh, the British really were like the last bastion of hope in Europe because the, the German army and the axis of, of evil had really taken over most of Europe uh, that wasn't, uh, you know, that was in that part of the world. Western Europe, And so, uh, Churchill was standing against, uh, against Hitler, against the Nazis, and, and there was an impending invasion and the bombing of London, and, and so Churchill, in that war room, I was in the very room where he called FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the president of the United States, and he called begging for help, but the problem was is that the foreign policy of the United States at that time was neutrality. The United States said that, you know, that war is over there, it's not impacting us over here, and so we shouldn't interfere. As a matter of fact, in 1940, a poll was done and 94% of Americans were against any military interference in the war in Europe. Now, there was multiple reasons. One, our military was pathetic. It was ill-equipped, it was small. Secondly, the economy was really, really bad. It's during the Great Depression. And so America held this posture of neutrality while Hitler was taking over Europe. But on December the 7th, 1941, that changed because Japan bombed Pearl Harbor and the United States got into war because the war came to them and they mobilized millions, and they fought with the allied forces in battle lines in Europe and the Pacific, and the reason why is because they knew they couldn't afford not to. Well, let me tell you something. You, there is a war going on, and you may stick your fingers in your ears, you may put your head in the sand, you may think you can be completely oblivious, but yet it is raging, and you cannot afford to stay on the sidelines, because the only way you can win the battle for your mind is you have to make war. You have to be proactive. You can't simply be reactive. I think that's what's going on with a lot of homes in America, is that parents are more reactive than they are proactive. They're trying to put the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, rather than putting a fence at the top of the cliff. Well, let me tell you something. We have to be constantly on alert against the deception of the devil, our disordered desires, and the normalization of sin in our society. because the battle for sin always starts in the mind and we don't have time to play games. And so Paul says, if you wanna break free from the strongholds, if you wanna break free from the lives of the enemies, you gotta, number one, you gotta make war, you gotta wage war. Number two, you gotta destroy strongholds. Verse four, he says, we have divine power to destroy strongholds. Here, Paul is using imagery on how you defeat your enemy. How you conquer a city in ancient days was by destroying the strongholds of the city. A, few, a year or so ago, I was in the city of Corinth, and, and I have some pictures to show you. Here is the ancient uh, strongholds uh, of the city of, of Corinth. They're on the very top part of the Acropolis. you have these, these strongholds that are there. So the, the word stronghold uh, in the Bible is found 70 times. In ancient days, it was a fortress built on top of the highest part of the city, and it would then be reinforced with thick walls, up to 20 feet thick. So in war, when, when you were being attacked, um, the, the high place, or pardon me, the, the stronghold was the place of the final defense, and it was where all the political leaders would hide. Now, in, in Paul's day, the, the, the stronghold was known to be unapproachable and impenetrable. So, Paul here says that we have been given divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, what are the strongholds that he's talking about in this text? They're strongholds in the mind. And they're strongholds in the mind that the enemy uses to attack us. Paul says that they are arguments, they're lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. They are thoughts, plans, and intentions that lead us to sin and lead us to unbelief. They keep God at a distance in our lives. Uh, Beth Moore uh, wrote an incredible book on spiritual strongholds. I highly commend it to you. Uh, And here's what she says a stronghold is. She says, a stronghold is anything that exalts itself in our minds, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than God. It steals much of our focus and causes us to feel overpowered, controlled, and mastered. I'll give you some examples. One particular example of a, of a stronghold is, is something that you were maybe raised to believe in. It's a worldview. Or maybe you went to college, or maybe you grew up this way, and, and we have a worldview. The Western world has a worldview. One is materialism, consumerism, secularism, humanism, relativism, atheism, narcissism, Any ism that's against God is a stronghold that the enemy uses. Personal attitudes like worry or laziness or people pleasing or fear or guilt from your past, depression, anger, insecurity, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, those are strongholds. Another is addictions, lust, substance abuse, greed, Control. See, all of those are lies that the enemy tells us and we believe and they serve as the basis of operations from which our enemy attacks. See, I want you to understand that Satan, Jesus says, is the father of lies. Elf would say he sits on a throne of lies. (laughs) Satan's motive is to kill you. Do you understand that? And his method is to lie to you. Satan has been telling lies from the beginning of time, and our flesh lies to us. Paul's indictment on humanity in Romans one is that we've exchanged the truth about God for a lie, that we suppress the truth, that we can't handle the truth. And so all of our lives, we have been, all of our lives we've been told lies, and we've repeated those lies to ourselves. And here's why this is a problem. Because if we can believe a lie, if Satan can get you to believe a lie, then he can get you to do all kinds of evil things. And the reality is, is that we've had others reinforce these lies to us. And, and, and the, re, the result is, is that those lies have become bigger and stronger in our lives. And, and a lie can be believed as truth, and if you believe a lie is truth, it can affect your life as if it were true. Let me give you an example. How many of you were told as a kid that it's dangerous for you to swim after eating? I mean, I don't, I'm said you gotta wait 30 minutes to an hour, son. Because if you don't, you'll go out there, you'll swim, you'll get a stomach cramp and drown. Well, let me just tell you something. It's not true. It's a myth. And it's caused many of us to have horrible childhoods growing up. (laughs) David Brenner said that it's not so much that we tell lies, but that we live them. You know, you could tell a lie long enough, but you believe it's true. We're deceived. And I want you to hear me. We have been deceived and we have been lied to about ourselves. We've been lied to about others. We've been lied to about God, we've been lied to about the church, we've been lied to about our past, about our present, and about our future. Because see, the enemy's got lies. Here's some lies from the enemy. You're a bad parent. Your kids are gonna be warped. You're the reason why they are what they are. It's all your fault. You're the reason that this is happening. You're it. Here's another lie. You're ugly. No one will ever love you. You're completely unlovable. Here's another lie. Politicians will fix everything. (laughs) Amen. Here's another lie. You do you. You just do you. Your, Your sexual feelings are the truth. If it feels good, do it. You want to hear another lie? Your past is what defines you. You did that? Yeah, that's what you'll always be. You'll never be any better. Or you're a fake. And, and, and people are going to find out you're a fake. You're never, going to, you're never going to amount to anything because you are a fake. Or you'll never be good enough. Ever. Or you can never forgive that person for what they did. Those are lies. Those are lies. And and many of us are living under the shadows of these half-truths, myth-truths, and total lies. And they distort your reality. And they destroy your joy. And they destroy your relationships. And they destroy your lives. What is truth? I'm glad you asked. It is reality. Or that which corresponds with reality. Well, what's a lie? It's unreality. Or that which does not cons- correspond with reality. Well, here's the truth. There is nothing and no one bigger and stronger than God. Your past is not bigger than God. Your sin is not stronger than God. Your fault and your flaws are not bigger than God this world is not bigger than God so stop letting Satan live rent-free in your head and understand they are lies lies. but here's the reality Shane Pruitt put it best he said our world is so in love with lies That truth sounds like hate. See, we have been conditioned and programmed to believe the lies that the enemy tells us. And the enemy says, do you want to be happy? Do this. Do you want to have satisfaction? Do that. Do you want to have glory? Do this. But they are lies. And Paul says that we have been given divine power to destroy strong that word destroy means to absolutely demolish, demolish with massive power to bring something down with brute strength. We have been given divine, explosive power to destroy the lies that have a strong hold on us. You want to know what it is? Our weapon that destroys lies is Truth because you don't fight lies with bullets and tanks. You fight lies with truth. And the Bible is God's word. It's the truth of God about the gospel of God found in the word of God that has the power of God to defeat the lies of the enemy about God. And if you want to tear down strongholds, replace lies With truth. Dr. Tony Evans. Said that Satan and his his demons. Are like cockroaches. When the light comes on. They scatter because Satan can't handle the truth. He can handle you and your ideas. But when you come at these issues of strongholds. From the perspective of what God says. You will experience a change in your thinking. That will result in a change in your life. See, Satan's primary weapon is lying, and our greatest weapon is truth. And you only can defeat Satan's lies with God's truth. God's word is a sword, a shield, and a strength. That's why we want you in God's word. Because when the enemy comes, you, you attack him with scripture. But here's the problem. You can't quote what you don't know. Barna said in a recent study on 18 to 29-year-old Christians that they on average spend 2,800 hours a year consuming digital content. And only 153 of those hours are on Bible-based content. That means the rest is spent on YouTube, TikTok, TV, Netflix, and everything else conclusion is, is that most young believers are spending hours every day, filling their minds with lies and cutting their minds off from God's spirit, God's word and God's truth. You got to get into God's word. If you want to fight the devil, you have to be in the word and the word has to be in you. And I want our church so much in the word and people of the word that if we ever got cut, we would bleed scripture. Because when Satan tells you to despair and tells you of your guilt within, upward you look to Jesus, the one who made the end of all your sin. See, when Satan comes to you with lies, you come to him with truth, and he is allergic to truth. He will flee from truth. Jesus said in John 8, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth will set you free. Wage war. If you want to fight the lies of the enemy, you got to fight. You got to make war. Destroy strongholds. Three, take prisoners. It says in verse five, take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is again, military progression. Once you destroy the stronghold of the enemy, the next thing you do is you take prisoners. Spiritual warfare, we don't take physical captives. But what we do take is we take thoughts captive. Thoughts that were raised against the knowledge of God, thoughts that were lies, we take those thoughts and we make them thoughts about God and after God. Uh, the word here "captive" means can mean to control, to conquer, to bring into submission. We have to make our minds obey. Now the problem is, is that my mind doesn't like the mind. Now whats told is, mind over matter. If you don't have a mind, it don't matter. But I have a mind, and therefore it matters. You have to take your thoughts captive to obey Christ. They were rebelling against Christ. Now they got to obey Christ. They got to do what Christ says. And here's what you got to understand. Listen to me, especially young people in the room. If you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. Write that down. Put it down. Do whatever you got to with it. Instagram it. Whatever you got to do. Remind yourself. If you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. And you and I are to take these thoughts, this stinking thinking, and make it submit and give allegiance to the true and rightful king. Why? Because many of us are locked up in the prison of deception. And we've been told lies, and it's time to turn the tables. Because here's what you gotta understand, stay with me. If you wanna change your life, you gotta change your thinking. Invoke said it best. Free your mind. And the rest will follow. If you try to change your behavior without changing how you think, you will go right back to the same old, same old, or worse. You ever seen the, it's, I don't think it's on TV anymore, the, the show called The Biggest Loser? It wasn't a show about you. It wasn't a show about me. But you ever seen those people? The Biggest Loser? People that had, they were, they were obese, overweight, and they lost a lot of weight. and Whoever lost the most weight was the biggest loser. If you follow up with those people, after they had won, many of them went right back to their size that they were, or bigger. See, if you just try to change your behavior without getting to the real issue, it may get worse. It's like the guy who quit smoking but gained 100 pounds. You know, we're in the season of of New Year's resolutions. Do you know the best month for gyms is January? Everybody makes a resolution. We're gonna lose weight and feel great. So in January, they join a gym and they're waiting on you. They're waiting. I mean, their seasonal employees are not December, it's January. I mean, they, like, they hire like 100% more. Come on in. And then you pay a bunch of money. You get a trainer. You get a diet. And 18 days later, you don't see them again until next year. You say, where'd you get 18 days from? I got it from science. (laughs) University of Scranton did a study that found that only 8% of those who make resolutions on January the 1st are able to keep them the whole year. And in the same study, 79% of those who made resolutions on January the 1st broke them by January the 17th. So in other words, folks, what day is it? Y'all got nine days. Nine days and you could eat again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Why are resolutions so hard to keep? You know why? Because most of them are about behavior modification. I'm gonna stop smoking. I'm gonna stop swearing. I'm gonna stop eating. Like well, it's bad. I'm stop this. I'm gonna stop that. And there's nothing wrong with making resolutions to change some of the behavior that you know is not godly, but, but they don't get to the root issue. You know what the root issue is? Is the lie that we believe. The greatest lie that you and I believe, stay with me, this is the greatest lie, is that I can do it by myself. It's the greatest lie. I can be my own savior, I can fix myself. That's the greatest lie the enemy tells you. And that's really propagated in our Western worldview in which the Western world, especially the American worldview, is you need to be independent, self-reliant, and pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps. But I want you to hear me. Paul says, that's not how we fight. Verse three, stay with me. Let's get back to the book. He says, we do not wage warfare according to the flesh. Now he says, we live in the flesh, we live in the world, but we don't fight like the world. In other words, he says, we don't do war according to the flesh. He means that we do not rely on our ability, our intellect, our self-control, or our willpower to win these spiritual battles. We do not have the power to destroy the strongholds or to take thoughts captive. We need God's power. We don't have what it takes to win the battle of the brain. How do I know this? From personal experience. Because like you, I have tried and i failed. That's one of the things we're gonna talk about next week is is, is white knuckling life, thinking that we can do it all ourselves. And even in the church, we've been taught to do it ourselves. But that's not the Bible and that's not the gospel because we don't have the power that we need to fight. It's not self-help. It's God help. The weapons that we have are divine. They're not human. They're not of the flesh. They're of God. See, relying on yourself and your own power is self-help. But resting and trusting in God's power is God's help. And every day, you and I have to decide, am I gonna do this sucker on my own or am I gonna rely on God's power and strength to fight? Here's the truth. We are not as strong or as smart as we think we are. And the real, the strongest people that I know are those who can admit their weaknesses. And the weakest people I know are those who only look at their strengths and never admit their weaknesses. I'm reading through the Bible with you all. Hopefully all of y'all are reading the Bible with us, this 260 plan. If you don't, if you're not in that plan, we can get you in that plan. I'm reading that plan, and I'm also reading Oswald Chambers' classic devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest, highly committed. It's a daily devotion, simple, easy peasy, simple. January the 5th, here is what Chambers said at the end of his devotion. He said, all our promises and resolutions end in denial because we have no power to accomplish them. But when we come to the end of ourselves, not just mentally, but completely, we're able to receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, we're able to receive the power we need. When you come to the end of yourself. Over these next three weeks, we're gonna talk about breaking free from addiction, breaking free from unforgiveness, breaking free from insecurity, And what you're going to see through all of that is that you can't do it on your own. You can't take those thoughts captive on your own. You only do it in the power of Jesus. And you can do it because Jesus is victorious over all of our enemies. I I don't know if, I'm sure you have. Unless you were living under a rock, you probably heard the name Damar Hamlin. His name was all over TV, social media, the news. If you didn't know him, that's fine. You're gonna hear about him today. He's a 24-year-old Buffalo Bills defensive back who on Monday night football went into cardiac arrest in the first quarter after making a tackle against a wide receiver on Monday night football against the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver. If you've read a little bit about about Hamlin, what we do understand is that he is a believer during his college career at Pitt. That's where he played. He said this, he was quoted to say that my faith is in God. So whatever he has planned for me, that will be it. Little did he know that what God was going to do in his life on the field and what God did in and through his life on the field is actually caused millions of people around the world to pray for him. Even people who don't even believe in God prayed. Now that's a sermon on its own. (laughs) Maybe you heard about Dan Orozki, who on ESPN prayed publicly in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Powerful moment on Thursday. It was reported that Hamlin who went into cardiac arrest was awake was on a ventilator, tubes in his mouth. Asked for paper and pen. Wanted to talk to the doctors and the personnel that were in the room. I had a question. What's the question that he wrote? The question is, did we win? (laughs) The doctor in the room said to him, he says, yes, Damar, you won. You won the game of life. Now, we thank God for what took place this week, and maybe it's the start of a national revival. Amen. Wouldn't that be great? Because whether people want to admit there is a God or not, there is one, and there's an inner vacuum, and in moments like this, we're reminded of that. But here's what I want you to understand. The reality was as if DeMar would have died on that football field, he was already a winner because he knew Christ. He knows Christ. And if you are a believer, you're also a winner as well. You don't have to live defeated. You don't have to live in bondage. If you are a Christian, you are in a battle you cannot lose because Jesus has already defeated all of your enemies. Colossians 2 says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing things over them. See, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from it. Because Jesus has already won the victory. But until he returns, or until he calls us home, we must come to the end of ourselves and trust his power found in his spirit and in his word to break free from the lies of the enemy. So we're about to go into an adventure this month. And I believe it's going to be powerful. I believe that God's going to use this month, in his word, to change lives, to change generations, to change your family, to change you personally. But you gotta wage war, destroy strongholds, and take thoughts captive. If you're here today and you're like, I don't even know about Jesus, but I'm struggling, I'm telling you no one can help you but Jesus. And we wanna be here for you. So we're not gonna force it on you today, but we wanna give you an invitation. If you wanna trust Jesus as your savior, you can today. If you're here and you're a Christian, you're struggling, you're, you're struggling, you know he right now in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, as soon as I leave church, I'm gonna go do this, 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 this. God can get you freedom. You can have freedom today from the bondage of the lives of the enemies. So I going to just pray. I want everybody to bow your heads, pray. Nobody, Please, nobody in this moment leave. Just chill out for a minute. And if you're here and you're a believer, I want you to pray that God will give you strength to fight war this afternoon, tomorrow. If you're not a believer, I want to pray that God would just burden your heart so that you give your life to Christ today. Maybe you need to do that. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this, this, this time, being with your people and your house. And God, there's a lot of battles going on. Battles in marriages, battles with kids, battles with finances, battles with health, but then there's that big battle of the brain. And God, we ask that your Holy Spirit And your word would give us power to defeat the lies of the enemy. They're just a mirage. Satan is a toothless dog. Give us strength to say no to him and yes to you. And God, those in this room or those watching online that don't know your savior, God, would they trust you right now? Would they give their life to you? Lord, help us to live no longer in fear because we're no longer slaves to fear. We're children of God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing the truths of God's Word. Thank you for joining us as we go through God's Word together. I pray again that God will transform you from the inside out. So as we say here at first, you have come to church. Go out and be the church. Have a great week of worship. We can't wait to see you soon.